uh, inside your bulletins an insert that's called uh, what I love most about South Potomac or something like that. Uh, what I love about my church. This is it. This is us. Okay. Take out a number two pencil. That sounds so official, doesn't it? Or a pen. And for those of you who prefer a coloring uh, item or a magic marker, whatever. And I, what I want you to do is just, I want you to think, uh, what do I love about my church? And then write down one thing or at the most two. No more than two. Don't write ten. Do not. Some of you have already filled it out with tens. How many of you have done that? We have a class. It's a recovery class for you. Just, just fill it out with one or two. What I love about my church. You've got to be thinking it. Now, if you're not filling it out, that's okay. Because you're going to have a chance again in a minute. Because Are you done? What I want you to do now is fold it in half. Watch me. See? Put a nice tight seam on it like that. Fold it in half. And I want you to get up, and I want you to swap with someone that you've not said hello to today. Now, even if that's your wife, don't swap with your wife. I know you haven't even talked to your wife today, but someone other than family, someone you've not said hello to. Are you ready? Set? You ready? Go. Swap with somebody. Got it swap? I did not say start a friendship and a club. You're swapping emails and phone numbers right now. Yeah. Okay. Got it? Okay, now, this is a good exercise to go through. Now, do it again. Now, write down another thing that you're thankful for. Now, if you can't think of anything new, write the same thing down again. That's okay. Just write something down. And you think, oh, this is what I love about my church, okay? Do it again. It got quiet all of a sudden because now we're thinking. Boom, 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 boom. You can say what you said the last time because no one's going to know. Yeah. Just make a mental note, don't swap with that same person again because then they're going to know. <laughs> okay. Do you have it down? Are you ready? Okay, swap with someone outside of your section where you're seated now. Oh, oh, the agony of it all. Yeah. Okay, you got them swapped? All right, do it one more time. Do it one more. That's why I said only write one or two because you're going to run out of lines otherwise. You write it again? Write it again. Now, write one more thing or two more things I love about my church. It could be the same thing all over again. You got it? Okay, now just swap with someone really close that you talked to already. Just really quick. Just swap, swap, swap. Okay? Now. <laughs> okay. Are we ready? All right. So here's what I want to do. There are no wrong answers to this. Everyone's a winner. 
Everyone gets a button at the door when you leave or a, a trophy or whatever. Okay, I want you to just give me, just give me pop answers from this section here. What, what were some of the things you, not, not your answers, but what you, so these aren't yours. These are what other people wrote. This section? Teaching, what else? Presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay. We'll move to this section now. <laughs> Outreach, say. Worship, diversity, God-fearing people, and persevering spirit, because you, you had to do it three times where I could hear you. Got programming, okay. Got them. It's this section here? Every. I had an omelet like that once. I never finished it. It was an everything omelet. Do you ever have one of those? They just dump everything in it. You can't finish it. Pastor Damon Sadiq and Kathy and Joanna and Dan, and it just keeps Bonnie. It keeps going, doesn't it? And, Praise and worship, yep. Generosity, yeah. yeah. I just said that with that Christmas chop, like that for sure, right? This section over here, what? Diversity. Outreach? Makes me laugh. Better to do that than cry. Yes. Oh. The choir? Yeah, that's sweet. Okay, you're in it next year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When people suggest this song, don't ever do that with Ernest. They'll say, that'd be great. We'll get you a mic. Yeah. A lot of diversity in the answers. A lot of variety. But you need like 101. Why do we, why do, we do this? And, and yeah, Jesus is the main, the central person. But you, it, you know what it comes down to? It? That could be in all of those answers, couldn't it? But here's what happens. The reason you need to celebrate, by the way, if you have a Bible, go to, with me to Colossians 1. I'm going to talk about a love like no other, and this is us, it's who we are, it's what we're about, that we love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. And so we live out that love differently, but do you understand this? When people attend a church, we all attend because of Jesus, but you all stay because of Jesus, but then maybe something else that makes us this unique stamp, this unique kind of thing. Some people, and these don't come out right away, some people come here because it's safe. You know that. Some people come here because there is a shelter, because they don't have like a spiritual family anywhere else. Some are like first-generation Christians. Come, some come because they're from a broken family, and in this kind of relationship, there's honor in relationships and open communication. Understand, those are all part of the Christian message, part of the gospel, really, but they all, they all have different kind of shades or different flavors, if you will, of why people stick when they attend a local church. And here's the thing. When you attend for a while, what happens is you begin to realize, I like certain things, but then you also go, well, I don't like other things. Remember, don't nod your head, don't wave, because this is Valentine's week. You love everything about the person you married, but then later you realize there's some stuff that just drives me crazy. Don't, do not raise your hand. Do not even nod. Just act like I have no idea what you're talking about, Dave. But there are things that just drive you crazy, with a capital K, crazy. And what happens is, as the relationship develops, what happens is you get used to each other, and then you become critiquers rather than lovers of each other, and that's the destruction of the melting down of that relationship. Same thing happens in a love relationship 
in a local church environment. So sometimes it's good just to go, let me count the 99 ways I love my church and I love them because Jesus loved me first even when I wasn't very, very lovable at all. Um, here's what I find it is people like South Potomac Church. In fact, a lot of people love South Potomac Church. But then here's what I find. The people who absolutely love South Potomac Church are the people who got transferred to Atlanta and Denver and Nashville and Kokomo, wherever that is, and other cities. And then they realize what they had. You know what I'm talking about? And they'll come back and they'll say, I'm in Charlotte and I like my church, but I miss this church. And they'll come back. We had a couple that just moved to Annapolis, just an hour away. They tried to keep coming. And I knew, we're on the clock. This is not going to last long. And sure enough, they said, we just can't keep doing it. We're having kids and we just, our schedules just don't last. I I knew that would happen because it's an hour away. You can't have a local church an hour away. Do you know what? They showed up a couple months ago. They said, we just had to come home. I mean, it just... Wouldn't make me cry, you know? That's my job today, make you cry. Because, um, get this, uh, Christ loves the church, and he gave himself for it. If we're to act like Christ, we will love the church. And you need to know, you know what? You're not capable of loving unless you know you are loved, okay? You understand this, you can have a dad who provides for you, and that's great, but if you don't, you don't think he loves you, it won't really matter. And some of you are going, I, I like a dad who provides for me right now. I got some bills to pay. Yeah, we would all like that provision piece, and he is God our provider, but that's not what he's known for. He's known for in the New Testament, particularly through Christ, as being the demonstration of his love. In that while we were still sinners, Romans 5, verse 8, he died for us. He came and he demonstrated love for us. And he put on us a stamp. Now, all of us uh, have... And I don't mean to be too graphic here. And if you don't have a thumb, just that's okay. Raise a finger. How many of you have a thumb? Raise a thumb. And every thumbprint's different. Look at your thumb. Have you ever, when you were a kid, did you ever like look at your fingerprints and go, "Oh, that's cool"? Then did, did you ever sit in your mom's lap and then look at her thumb and go, "It's almost the same." Oh, it's it's a little different. Did you ever do that? Yeah, I was about twelve before I realized it, and then and my mother said, "Get off of my lap." And, <laughs> Every thumbprint is different. Every thumbprint is different. And then if you're blessed to have four fingers on each hand and then two thumbs, one on each hand, you realize they're all different. And it's all different to everybody else. You understand the creative handiwork of God. Get this. And yet, within most all of us, we have systems that are very similar. Now, right now you're saying, okay, this is getting a little scary. It's going to get worse or, or better. depends on how you like this. But we all have skeletal systems. We all have a nervous system, a circulation system. We all have different kinds of systems that make the body operate. So a lot, of, a lot of things about us are very, very similar, and yet we all look different. I mean, we have taller people, shorter people, thicker people, thinner people. You know, people of different shades of, of color and different, and then we have different accents that come out of our mouths. It's just amazing how uniquely we are put together, and yet the systems are by and large the same. You get this? And I, I can go even further. I've been in, uh, like in uh, racial reconciliation uh, forums, and, all that, and, and what always comes back to is this. We all want the same thing. It doesn't even have to be in a religious setting like this. I could be at a college 
talking about racial reconciliation, you know what we all want? We all want safe neighborhoods and a good grocery store that gives us fair prices. We all want a good school system, and we want law enforcement to keep the criminals out, but we don't want to be pulled over for going five miles over. Amen? Amen. Yeah, get the jerk going past me, but don't get me. Right? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, why'd you pull me over? He was way worse than me. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the service, we'll take a little collection for Dave's... No, I don't have a ticket. Although that's only by the grace of God. Okay. And you're the same. We have so many similarities about us. We all want the same stuff. And yet we're all very unique, very different. Understand this. God uniquely made you, so why would he stamp on you to say, I want you to be just like Frank or, or just like Ginger or Monique or whatever the person's name is. I want you to be, no, I want you to be like Christ, but you live that faith out creatively the way he creatively made you because you look different, you emote differently, and, and you maybe even process differently. That's okay. You be this newborn babe who desires the sincere milk of the word. That's First Peter, Second Peter. You, you desire that pure milk of the word so you can grow up and when you do you'll fully develop and the idea is to be healthy um you know that Wanda and i have been married a number of years now we've we have five kids and they're wonderful blessings but every time we're expecting a baby and we're not expecting a baby right now so just (laughs) some of you are going oh my gosh he's going there no i'm not um but every time we're expecting a baby people walk up and go so do you want a boy you know what I want? I want healthy. Amen. I want healthy. And, and they say, oh, do you, you really want another little girl? I want healthy. I want healthy. Uh, as many as you know, uh, we have uh, four girls, and when we got the call that this baby was uh, being born, we were going to the hospital, and Wanda and I are um, there at the hospital when our youngest was born, and we called home to say, it's a boy. Because I was sure God had another girl. (laughs) And I already had a cot in the garage because I had no phone and no hot water in the house. And um, so I just usually hosed off with a, in the lawn hose in the backyard and then went to work in the mornings, just what I did. Don't worry about me, I'll be okay. <laughs> so I was sure we were just going to have another girl. And so when the guy comes, we're like, we have a guy. Like, oh my gosh. And we, we call home, this is back when all we had were landlines. Uh, we have a, a guy. And, when, are we, and we hear, ah! It, it's uh, all the uh, little girls screaming, we have a little brother and... And it was just wonderful. You know what? We, we didn't know what we had until we had, but we didn't care because what we want is healthy. Understand this. What does God want about you? He wants you to be healthy. What does he want about his church? He wants those systems to work, which are healthy systems. Do you get that? And how it lives itself out is going to look different. That's why you're different than the person down the road, and that's why you may even love things about the church differently than someone else. That's okay. You just need to learn to appreciate that, love that, love them, but love that, and love the bigger scheme. And then that's the way churches are too. So even churches have a different spiritual DNA. You get this? Even churches have a a different DNA because they're made up of different Christians who have a different mix of God's DNA, and that's okay. That's the creative handiwork 
of God. Have you ever driven and just looked at like wildflowers? There's like brilliantly green leaves and then wow, popping orange coming out of the flower. And you go, how does it get that much green right next to that much orange? Or petunias that then turn that hot pink and others are brilliant blue, kind of a blue uh, with a touch of purple to it. And you go, how does God do that? Isn't that crazy great? And yet it's right next to a green leaf. I go, how does it not get mixed up? And how does that happen? And yet if you look at your parents' pictures and your grandparents' pictures, I could tell my dad had eaten part of an apple. He said an apple by his teeth. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you don't, do you? Yeah. By his teeth. My dad had one toe. My dad's in heaven, so I can talk with him about paying $5 for using this illustration. But my dad has five toes on one foot, but one toe never did ever, ever touch the ground. It was high. When, when we were growing up, we, we used to chase my dad when he'd get out of the pool because we'd walk, and there would only be four toe marks on the ground. <laughs> Today, that would be called harassment, but back then, it was fun. Everybody's different. And you know what? I, I think it's going to happen. One day, one of our great-great-grandchildren are going to have a toe, right? And we're going, where did that come from? And in my old age in the nursing home, I'm going to say, I think my dad had a toe like that once. You ever had this before? Because it'll come back. You'll see it. You'll see it in a jaw or an eye. or a, it, You'll see it with ears in, in the, way they, the way they hang and the, their height and the fact that I don't know how barbers do it I my mean, sideburns are crooked well it's because your your ears are crooked that's the real issue right they were also uniquely made and designed by God some of you right now are going how did he know I don't know and furthermore I don't care just wash your hair and get it cut occasionally all right we're in Colossians chapter one I want to talk with you about three things this is a really simple message and it's hardly a sermon it's almost a devotional thought but it is so penetratingly good and I'll give you the three points to the outline. I'm only going to preach half the sermon today, and then another day, maybe next year, we'll finish it. Uh, the three points are this. I love my church. That's point number one. And then point number two is I love the church. Point number three is I love his church. Point number one, I love my church. We just talked about all the things that we're thankful for. But when the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Colossae, and Colossae is about 100 miles from Ephesus. Paul had been to Ephesus. He'd never been to Colossae. It's about 12 um, miles from this little city called Laodicea. And um, so if you go to Greece and then just go east, Asia Minor, it's kind of that's where Colossae would be. He writes this. We always thank God, chapter 1, verse 3. We always thank God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Get that. He, he's, he's praying for them. He's saying, I always thank God. So when you, when you, Come to church on your way. Just say, oh God, I'm so thankful for my church. Get that? He's thanking God for the church. When we pray for you, because you heard of your faith in, the, in Christ Jesus and your love you have for all God's people. So God, help me with my faith. Help me to love the people at the church. You get that? So otherwise, if we don't, there's this sense of I could become critical or negative or stale or become formal or corporate or something else that isn't the heart of God demonstrating his love for us by giving to us Christ. So go back to Jesus and understand, I love what Jesus loves, which is the church. That answers the whole attitude question, doesn't it? 
It sets the mindset of the way I view this. And what it does is it actually promotes contentment. We get happy about the way God has put us together. You get happy about the way God has made you physically. We get happy about the way God has made us spiritually. We get happy about the way God puts us together in an organization, an assembly, and we get happy because we've learned to be contented because we are grateful. We love what God puts together. And that goes counter to what culture does today. In fact, much of social media, we're taking selfies about how my life's so much better than yours. And you, you could be having a great day, right? You ever had this? And you get on social media and you're like, man, my life sucks. Look at everybody else. You're having a great time. And I'm at home on my laptop and you you were having a good day until you saw how much better the other people were but they're just boasting too so detox from that just get away from it learn to love the church and then not just love my church apostle paul's i love what you're doing there in Colossae. skip over to chapter two and i have to be quick with this because this is so uh there's so much in it chapter two verse one I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. That's about 12 miles away. It's another little village town. Because you've not met me personally. What is going on here? Well, the Apostle Paul had not been to Colossae. See, he's writing a church that he loves, but he doesn't even go to that church. Is it possible that there could be enough love in our hearts? Get this, church. Is it possible there could be enough love in our hearts that we could love something that isn't ours? Like, we love this church because it's our church. Is it possible when on your way to church next Sunday, here's my challenge to you, and you pass another church, would it be possible for you to say, God, thank you for that church, that pastor, those elders, those deacons, those teachers, those servants. May they deliver the word. May they love a lot of people today. Bless them. Would it be possible for you to thank God for them? When you drive by them, well, no amens to that, but that's okay. (laughs) My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so they may be full riches of the complete understanding. Um, um, Here's what's happening. He's saying, I'm contending for you. I'm working hard at not only loving you, but standing for you, even though I've not been there. By the way, when Paul writes the book of Colossians, we think that he might be under a two-year period of uh, of, of an arrest he, he may be in jail and he's saying i'm cheering you on even though i can't be there and so here's where i am it, if a church believes the bible and and honors jesus and trusts jesus as savior i i have every reason to say you know what this is a good church it's a good place uh, let's honor them so we can be friends that answers the issue of territorialism in other words, not everybody is going to attend the same church. By the way, because churches are different, because every assembly has a different spiritual DNA, people need different things. Sometimes people come here and they go, I really need A, and they tell me what they need. I go, you know what, we're never going to be able to provide that. You need to go to it, and I'll tell them another church to go to. And they'll look at me cross-eyed, and I'll go, it's okay to go. It's all right. It drops the territorialism, and what it does is it promotes the celebration It allows you to be free to realize God is at work in our church, but he's also at work in other churches in the community. I've been to a funeral or two in my life. I was at one where a guy is way more liturgical, way more formal, way more, I mean, a lot of stuff going on, different clothing, different traditions. 
uh, heavy furniture on the stage. And yet when he got up, he delivered the Bible in the, at the funeral, the message. And he did a wonderful job. He's not my style, but it doesn't matter. My style is he used the Bible. And he believed in Jesus. And it was, it was a it was a solidly biblical message, and I was grateful that he delivered it because at a funeral, people are listening when they're not listening at other times, or they show up when they wouldn't show up otherwise. So what it does is not only answers the issue of territorialism, but it, it also lets us celebrate what God is doing in a larger thing, in a larger arena. So your fingerprint's different than mine. That's okay. I can give you room to be you, and I'll be God gives me room to be me. And I love what Mr. Rogers says, a great theologian, don't you? You have to be you because if you aren't you, who's going to be you? That was deep, wasn't it? By the way, do you do know that Mr. Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister? You knew that, right? He actually had divinity degrees. Some of you are saying, can I go to his church? No. About a year ago, a year and a half ago, um, Sadiq and I were uh, at the Museum of the Bible when it opened. Um, they had a pastoral day, and uh, uh, out of all the staff, Sadiq and I were the only ones who could get away on that particular day at that particular time. So we buzzed into the city. If you've not been to the Museum of the Bible, uh, it's a great museum. You need to go not for a day, but for like three or four days, because there's a lot there to take in. So we get there, and we're, we're touring, and they... It's a wonderful thing. Uh, they're giving all, the, there's a, it's just a pastor's day uh, before the grand opening. Well, uh, Sadiq wanted to go down in a different hall. I said, I, I want to go to the show because there's a show called Amazing Grace. It was the story of William Wilberforce, who was a slave trader who came to Jesus. They had the play going. I said, I'd like to go see that play. And I happen to know once the opening's done, it's like 40 bucks a ticket. Down deep, I'm cheap. So, I'm going to go now while it's free. So, so I went in to watch the play. I, I got to sit down. I sit by this guy. His name's Ben. I go, hey, how you doing? Ben. I'm Dave. Nice to meet you. So where are you from? He goes, I, I'm from D.C., but just recently. And, oh, really? Like, oh, I, we just got our kids in school. We just moved here. So where are you from? Well, I'm from Atlanta, but I'm really not. A, a church in Atlanta sent us here. We're going to plant a church. I'm actually from Texas. Wow. Went to Dallas Seminary. He tells me his whole lineage, and we talk about our faith stories. This guy's a Bible-believing guy. I mean, just great Christian guy. They just, they, he thinks he knows where his house is and where the school is, where they drop the kids. It's how he knew he is to town. So I said, you know what? You need friends, so I'll be your friend. He goes, that'd be great. <laughs> so he has no friends. None. I'll be your friend. My name's Dave. Don't forget. It's short, easy to remember. I jot down my phone number. I said, just call me anytime. Here's my email. And the play starts, boom, go. And I said, you need anything, let me know, because you need friends. You're planting a church. He, you know, he's going to need help. He doesn't know how much help he's going to need. And I said, you need to learn, you need to know uh, Mark Batterson. He's a national community church. He's a great guy. And he's got this small group girl. Her name's Heather. She's like the guru of small groups in D.C. I connect with Heather. And there's just people you need to meet. And he's like, okay, okay, I got it. And so we, we go on our way. I, I keep touring the museum. A couple hours later, the museum's shutting down. It's the end of the day. I can't find Sadiq. I don't know where he is. So I just, <laughs> remember this, Sadiq? We were, we were like texting each other, where are you? Where's you at? You know, we're, we're like idiots. <laughs> oh, well. 
Actually, I'll tell this part because you're in the room, but uh, Rick Warren was there to speak to the pastors. Well, Rick always does pictures, so then I want to introduce him to Sadiq because I, I knew Rick from a long ago and far away. And so he's, I go, hey, but I want a picture together. Rick goes, I don't want a picture together. I want a picture. And so then there's this picture of us arguing of how we're going to take the picture. Because I handed my camera off. This, this girl's just taking pictures of us going, no, I want, I want to do it this way. It's like we're square dancing or something. I'm not, not a very good picture. And Rick's not a very good dancer. So anyway, um, it was a great moment, though. Well, a couple hours go by. It's now 5 o'clock, museum's um, closing. And I get on an elevator. I'm going down. And Ben walks on. It's a big elevator. And, um, hey, like I've seen you like a hundred people ago because you know, the place has got thousands of people in it. And right before the elevator closes, John Jenkins gets on from First Baptist Glen Arden. Hey, John. And I, I realize I have 12 seconds right now. The doors are closed. John, this is Ben. Ben's new to town. He's planting a church. And before I can finish my sentence, this will make me cry. John goes, it looks at Ben and just goes, call me. We'll help you. The door opens. Ben goes, really? Call me. What a gracious guy. I, you know, I, I, couldn't, I could not set up that meeting. I mean, that was a worship service in 12 seconds in the elevator at the museum. You know why? Because John gets it. He now he loves his church, point number one. He loves the church. Do you understand the difference? And he is not territorial. He's not. We had a church planner in a county here just getting started, and he, he attends our service while he's waiting for his church to start. And he goes, I got nothing, dude. And I, go, I said, let me get you to Ernest, and we'll just give you sound equipment. We'll, we'll help you. We'll, we'll loan you stuff that we don't use right now, just to get you up, because that's what you're like when you're a beggar. And Ernest immediately just, yeah, what do you need? Here's what we're not using right now. If you break it, you bought it, but <laughs> bring it back, we'll be okay. Understand, Christ loves the church, and when we love what he loves, you cannot go wrong. So this is a love like no other. It answers the whole issue of territorialism. It allows us to celebrate what God is doing, not just here, but I can be secure enough to celebrate what God is doing elsewhere. And that's why it's so important to get to number three. Point number three is I love his church. Because down deep, it's really not my church, your church. Even though we talk about, and in the Bible, they'll talk about the church in Corinth, the church in Philippi, the church that is at, and then it gives the address, that town or that village or those group of people or that river, that location where these people met. But it isn't just that. It is ultimately Jesus' church. Now pick it up again at verse 2. Colossians 2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart. And when you pray for me and you pray for staff and elders, and pray that we are an encouraging group and that we're united in love. The international version uses the word united in love. King James, other New American Standard, other versions use the word knit. Knit. Different word altogether. Uh, you ever had something knit together? It's so knit. It's so tangled together. You can't undo it, okay? That's the kind of relationship we want. Knit together in love or united so much in love it can't be undone. 
so that they may have the full riches of the complete understanding. Get that. So you have a better understanding of who Christ is in order that they may know the mystery of God. Get this. So you get this understanding. Why? So you'll know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures. Get this. If you can get to Christ, you'll have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But that only will happen if you realize this is Christ's church, not ultimately mine, or not ultimately ours. This is his. He bought it with his own blood. It answers the whole authority issue. Ephesians chapter 1. God placed under his feet, that'd be Christ, all things. He is head over everything, including the church. Revelation chapter 5. He purchased for God every, every person in every tongue, language, people, language, it doesn't matter, whatever tribe it would be, he purchased, he purchased for God from the world. It's his church because he paid the price. So Christ gets to make the decisions. He gets to set the rules. He gets to write the bylaws. He gets to do it all. Why? Because it's his ultimately. The church, we learned this a few weeks ago, is not only a, not only a fellowship and a family and a flock, but it's a body it is a bride that's to be holy. And those are all biblical models of the church. They're all going to look a little bit different, but they tell us all, these all belong to Jesus. It's because it's his church. He gets to set the vision, and he gets to set the agenda. And that, what that does is it allows us to be creative about it, but it allows us to understand it's not mine to begin with. It not only does it answer the authority issue, but it allows me to be what God has designed me to be allows you to be what God has designed you to be. Like newborn babes who desire the sincere milk of the word, we're able to grow up. And um, you have the baby picture? Can we go to that? All together now. Oh. Now, this happens rarely. Leave that picture up, would you? <clears throat> this happens rarely. Um, I told you when we were having a baby, we said, do you want a boy or girl? We just went healthy. Okay, good. Rarely this will happen, but sometimes it will happen. Someone will say to me, we just had a baby. Oh, good. It's a boy. Okay, good. He's going to become a mechanical engineer. Okay, then. We just had a girl. She is going to be an orthopedic surgeon. Okay, I, 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 what I'm really sensing is that you just want a nice retirement home by a lake. That's what you want. You're going to take it out of insurance premiums or something. No offense to the medical world, but sometimes that'll happen. Well, someone will say, my son is going to be a mechanic. I don't care if he doesn't like cars. He's going to be a mechanic. Or he's going to be a school teacher. Or she is going to be a lawyer. Or she's going to be a nurse. Or she's going to be a whatever. Understand this. That rarely works. In a few cultures, at a few times, it works. Most of the time, it does not ever work. In fact, it makes the children bolt from home. That's why they go to school far, far away. What if instead of forcing something on someone, you just let them blossom to who they're going to be? For instance, what if I told you in one of these pictures, in one of these babes, grows up to be a school teacher? Would you know which one it is? I wouldn't know either. But what would be cool would be to say, let's see what God does in their life. Do you understand the difference? Let's just get them healthy, create the systems, and, and, and feed the systems that are going to give them health, right? And not give them sickness. 
not cut off circulation, not cut off digestion, not cut off respiratory, but give them all the healthy systems and let them blossom. And, and when that happens, we'll see what God does, which is more than we could even ask or think anyway. And what if we did that with the church and said, okay, our vision is to be like Christ and on the way, we don't know what that exactly is going to look like, but we do know it's not going to go wrong if we just follow good, healthy systems. Around here, we have systems called worship, connect, grow, serve, share. These are right from the words of Jesus. So we know that we can't, go, we can't go wrong when we're doing something that's promoting healthy, healthy systems. And that's the vision here. You can pull that picture down now. <clears throat> A few years ago, it was one of my concerns. We have world missions. We believe in world outreach. We had nothing on the continent of Africa. And so... I, uh, I found a connection with a, a, a friend who had a friend who said, I'm going to Africa, I'm going to go, actually go to Kenya. We went and we said, let's do world missions and, and we like to get on the continent of Africa. We're in different places. We're in Europe, we're in South America, we're in Southeast Asia. It's all good. And we have world outreach uh, that's happening, but nothing on the whole continent, not one single country in the continent of Africa. So let's get started somewhere. So we went, three couples went and... Um, we had a good time. It was, it was uh, jarring. It was faith-stimulating. It, it, we did a lot of good uh, during the time we were there. But at the end of it, we realized none of this was sustainable, and we didn't have a system down to create healthy accountability and create healthy systems, so it wasn't going to work. I looked at some other agencies and said couldn't do it. So it kind of faded. I, that was our, if that was your vision, then that vision failed. You understand? But in the midst of that, uh, a buddy of mine calls me, and he's in an agency uh, out in Colorado Springs. And he says, we're doing this thing with, with children. And I said, great, we want to get back into Kenya. And this might be the system. He said, we don't go to Kenya. He said, we go to Uganda. I said, Ken, you're not listening to me. I said, Kenya, that's not even the same letter. Uganda? And he goes, well, it's right next door. And it is. It's in one country over. I go, but it's not Kenya. I wanted to go to Kenya. He goes, well, come with me to Uganda. I'm going to Uganda. No. So I hang up. He goes, well, one of my buddies is going to call you back. And so one of his buddies comes by one day when we're having staff meeting. And he says, uh, uh, I'm going to Uganda. I said, what part of Kenya don't you understand? And he goes, okay, okay. He said, I'll tell you, what, go on a vision trip. Ken's going to Guatemala. Just go and see what you think of that. Okay, I can give three days to that. So Keith, who did communion, Keith and I hop a plane Fly to Guatemala for a few days. Do we land in Kenya? No, we land in Guatemala. Is it still world outreach? Yeah. So is it completing the work that Jesus called us to? Oh, yeah. Just not where we thought it would be. Do you understand the difference? It's not what we had planned. That's okay. And we'll land in Africa another day. And so help me if it's Uganda. Oh, boy. It'll, it'll be somewhere. It'll be Togo. It'll be, it'll be somewhere. But it, that's okay. What we can make the plans, but the Lord directs our steps. We just want to do the outreach and let it fall where it may. And we didn't plan it that way, but we thank God. We just love what we're doing in, uh, in Guatemala. In, in 1797, in eastern Russia, a young couple gave birth to a little baby boy. They named that boy John. John grew up and became a man of faith, young boy of faith and he wanted to enter the pastoral work, and he was part of the Russian Orthodox Church. When, <clears throat> in, in the 1700s, early 1800s now, 
when, when uh, young people wanted to, to be part of it, they just would take you in and start training you, and he became a local pastor in Eastern Europe, what we call Siberia today. They gave him an outpost, a little village, a little fishing village that was not even part of Russia. It was actually occupied Russia that wasn't really Russia. And the little village is called Sitka. So this little guy, John, grows up, and he gets shipped out of country, really. This is early 1800s now. He gets shipped to a little fishing village called Sitka. When he gets there, he's supposed to pastor a Russian Orthodox church in this little village. When he gets there, though, the villagers are not Russian. They're Aleuts. We call the Aleutian Islands, from that word Aleutian Islands. They're Aleuts. They don't like Russians. And at night, they find ways to have guerrilla warfare against them. But there was Russian kind of military police, military there. And so they, were, they had guard posts there, and they had forced occupation of that whole territory at the time. So there was this constant kind of guerrilla warfare happening. And John had to find a way to keep them from killing each other. Now, he went to give them the gospel. In the process, he builds a building. They forgot to tell him, oh, by the way, there's no building. So he gets a building built. But they didn't even tell him, oh, by the way, the people hate each other. So he taught them peacemaking skills. That was not his vision. His vision was to give them the gospel. They didn't read or write, so he taught them how to read and write. But on the way to doing that, he also had some artistic ability. If you know anything about the Russian Orthodox Church, you know it has high, a high value in artistic quality, whether it's a chandelier or anything else. And this guy painted the life of Jesus. He didn't have canvases. He just would take raw boards and paint the life of Jesus, and it became a decoration in the church that they built. And he did the life of Jesus in stations so then people could get the story of Jesus. Was that part of his vision? No. It just needed to be done, and so he did it. Eventually, the village became, they just loved John. John wanted to go back to Russia. This is not his homeland. They wouldn't, the church wouldn't let him go back. They said, no, you're going to stay there. His wife died. They still didn't let him come back. And then one night, someone left a candle on in the building. And it's the mid-1800s, and there's not pumping water and access to that. And that building burned in the night. And the village, because they loved John, they knew they couldn't save the building. And so at risk of their own lives, the people in the village created a human chain and went into the church building and took the artwork off and passed it down the row and saved all of the artwork as the building burned. Today, if you go to the village of Sitka, you don't find, you don't find the sermons of John in the bookstore. What you do find is the artwork, and what you do find are survivors who said we would have killed each other if it hadn't been for John. Now, that wasn't his goal. You get this? But he just, it's kind of like making it up as you go because he just did what needed to be done. And he gave them Jesus along the way. Wonderful story. Now, that is not unlike the Apostle Paul's story, who went to Ephesus and taught and then he wrote the church in Corinth and said, this is wrong, this is wrong, you got to correct that. Never did get to Colossae, but he wrote to them anyway. He was in Thessalonica. If you know anything about the story of, of him arriving in Thessalonica, he only stays three weeks. He stays with a guy named Jason, and, and 
and the people didn't like that people were coming to Jesus because it took away uh, business in town and so they started a skirmish against Jason and put a bounty out on his head and so Jason goes to Paul and says you gotta get out of town before we both get killed because we're gonna get thrown in jail and so the apostle Paul only was in Thessalonica three weeks was that his goal no he planned to stay longer but he wanted to really stay alive so he had to adapt Get this, if you'll make Jesus the center of the vision and worship because of what Jesus said and connecting and growing and serving and sharing, you cannot go wrong because it's his church. And you may not, not know all the detail of what's going to happen. That's okay. You can walk with him in faith and, and see it discover. And that's the beauty of the baby picture. Because when you hold this baby, you say, I don't know what the potential of this baby is. You ever had a baby? And some moms tell me, I have a real musical one. She's up all night, you know, prenatally. She's singing and kicking all night. And another one says, uh, I, I don't know the potential of this baby. But we, you sit and you dream and you hope. You don't know what's going to blossom. But that makes you pray, doesn't it? Okay, so it's all a good thing. You can't lose. Now, I'm going to close here in a minute. But let me just tell you this. Some of us in the room have been told you're, you need to trust Jesus and you need to look like so-and-so or do like such-and-such. And so that's made you not trust Jesus. There's a gospel piece to this. And this is serious. So you, you've held Jesus at a distance and you're not sure you're going to follow him because you, you don't think you can be like these other people. And my word to you is stop thinking about those other people. And just be who God designed you to be. You can trust him. Um, the Bible tells us that all of us are sinners. Romans 3. And even though that we're all sinners, Christ died for those. And he loves us. Old Testament says it. New Testament reaffirms it. With an everlasting kind of love. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you'll trust him, there'll be... Therefore, now, no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ. And when you know there's no condemnation on you, then you can blossom in healthy kind of ways. But here's what's happening. If you hold Christ at a distance, you hang on to that condemnation. You can't move ahead. So my word to you is this. Don't think, oh, I just, I, I can't act like those people. Stop trying to be a duplicate of those people, whoever that is. And just be who God designed you to be and be a Christ follower in personal faith. Some of you right here, right now, you're going to trust Christ. And why? Because now you see the difference. You are loved, loved, loved. And in that love, he wants to create in you a whole new life. And when he does that, it's like a newborn babe. And you are, you're going to see your potential like never before when you trust him. Let's bow together for prayer. You're just where you're seated, you might be saying, you know what, I'm ready to trust Christ. I'm ready to embrace him. It's starting to make sense now. I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing, and that's just to, to tell God in your own heart in prayer, dear God in heaven, I know I have sinned, and I have fallen short, and I need the Savior to be mine. And because of your dear love for me, I'm starting to see it now and I trust Jesus to be my savior. I stop the resistance and I welcome him. 
I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, but if that's your prayer today, maybe for the very first time, raise your hand. Would you just, it, towards me. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do anything else. Thank you. Bless you. For many of us in the room, uh, you're one step inside the family of God, but you've not gone any further because you're, you say, I, I can't measure up to other Christians. And the message today is, don't, don't try. Just be who God has designed you to be. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. So just be the new creation. Let's stand to our feet, and I'm going to continue the prayer as you stand. Some of us in the room, dear God, need to change our attitude about the church, to love what you love. And maybe that's your heart prayer right now. God, I have, I have sunken. There's a, a buoyedness about me that's gone about the church. Change my attitude about the church, to love my church. And some of us in the room would say, God, forgive me for not valuing other churches. May I be one who blesses what you're doing around the world and around our county. And all of us, Lord, all of us, Lord, pray, change our heart about who calls the shots in our lives. For this is Christ's church. Never was ours, never will be ours. And it's to his glory we want to live because he gets to call it because it's his. Never has been ours. So we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in everything. May he reign supreme in our hearts and lives and may he reign supreme in our, our church. We pray this because of the risen Lord and the power of your Holy Spirit, God's people would say, amen.